All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Prescribed Truth. I'm Jamal Bandy, the one who seeks to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. And guys, there's been a lot going on in today's current climate and everything else. And um, I know you've probably, some of you probably are exhausted from everything that's going on and having these conversations and, and all that stuff, dealing with the racial tension that we have in our country, and especially those of us in the Christian community. Um, but I want to take this time to give some input uh, to a video that I saw from KB. If you don't know who KB is, he's a Christian gospel uh, rap artist. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even, I don't know if I need to say Christian gospel rap artist, but, uh, yeah, he's a Christian rap artist. Um, I enjoy his music. Let me just say this, man. I'm a fan of KB. I enjoy his music. A couple of his songs, it does, it, he do, um, input his ideas concerning social justice which i disagree with but other than that i you know like his music i enjoy his music um so yeah and i do believe he's a brother and i find some issue about some things he says here in this video and i wanted to just give a response to it i don't know if he'll ever see this or anything else kind of like a lot of my videos that i do i don't know if the people will actually see it but i would um hope that he do see it and uh, those of you who agree with him and his stance, that I pray you would just listen um, to what's being said and um, and not come in in an emotional way, but just in a more um, factual way, as I should say. Um, as we deal with this, it, you know, um, there's some assumptions made here that I want to address, and uh, and the reason why I'm doing it is because you know he's well known, but he's not the only one who thinks like this, you know, and um. So, yes, I, I think it was pretty good to give a response to. And so, as you know, with prescribed truth, you know, I listen and I diagnose errors and by the grace of God, prescribe and distribute some truth. So that's what we're uh, going to seek to do right now. Um, it's been a minute since I've been with you guys. Um, I'm looking to do more as it goes forward. Um, I released a new Woke Brother video recently check that out <laughs> dealing with um the ceo of chick-fil-a dan kathy please check that out if you haven't already um and expect more from what brother as time goes on for those of you who have newly subscribed to the channel in this past month thank you so much um i gotta say i haven't been releasing as much content on a regular basis as i used to and so to have people subscribe and then um, i could tell people watching my older content I am really grateful for you guys and your support. If you like to support this ministry financially, you can on Patreon um, for a dollar and up. You can really support this ministry going forward. Really do thank you all who are um, patrons who have stuck with me all this time. And I just appreciate you guys. All right. So glad to be back um, slowly but surely getting back into the swing of things. But um, I thought this was a good one to get back at the first video review, um, getting back in, getting back in the flow. All right. So um, with that being said, let's go ahead and get started and listen to what um, KB has to say. This is a 14 minute long video. I do plan on going through this whole video. You know how I do. Um, I hear something and I want to comment on and stop and everything else. Um, that may be something I miss. So feel free to comment or send me an email prescribed.truth.gmail.com. And there's something that you believe that was important that I needed to cover. Or if you just if you want to give me some pushback, you know, something I said here that you don't agree with. You know, email me, you know, email me. You can call me. The number will be in the description. You can call me. You can chop it up and all that kind of good stuff. All right. So um, let's just get started. Let's just get started. I thought it'd be good. 
um, to share a little bit. I, I have been very discouraged and very, very exhausted emotionally, mentally. It has felt like we've taken 10 steps forward to be met with 100 steps back in the fight, the good fight that extends from our faith, which is tearing down the works of the enemy as they express themselves in racial injustice, systemic injustice. All right. So here we go. All right. So first, let me just say, I agree with him. I, I said to you guys earlier, some of you guys are maybe exhausted from having this conversation and emotionally drained. I too, I agree with KB here. This has been exhausting. It has been emotionally draining um, day after day after day. You can't cut on the TV without, or you can't cut on the TV, go on social media or do anything without there being some kind of issue dealing with race racism you know whether it be whether you think it's um you know systemic or not or you think it's real or not you know that's what the constant conversation is and it's a lot it's constant you know um and what you see is people talking past each other and this is what makes it draining is the conversation is going past one another and not being towards one another we can actually talk one side is saying that you gotta just listen you know like just listen and then you can't say anything because you're not in agreement agreement and then on our side you know we have a lot to say and you can say some aren't really listening to what people are saying i mean it could go it could go that way but and therefore what you have is people misrepresenting each other's position all right and it's interesting, man. It would seem as if we would have more in common than what we think we do. But because of the lack of effective communication and talking past each other, we would never know. You know, I pray that would change. But as of now, we just don't know. But we go into the assumption that's made, you know, uh, we're this constant fight, this good fight in which... <laughs> I would agree with him that this would be a good fight. Like, man, think about this, you know, civil rights era. Like, man, that was a good fight. You know, there was true inequality, you know, that was, that was going on and boycotts and everything else. And this is like, this was a good fight. You know, we're all made in the Imago day. And so no one should be viewed as being inferior to the other, you, no matter what color your skin or any of that kind of stuff or your class, how much money you make or whatever. You know, there shouldn't be someone thinking I'm better than you because of A, B, and C. And so I get that, you know, like, man, that'll, that'll be the good fight. And then he says this good fight that stems from the gospel. And it's like, yeah, this this fight would stem from the gospel. The issue is and has always been is that we don't agree as far as what is considered the injustice and how to go about dealing with the things that are happening. You know, this is where we part ways, you know, um, in this conversation and not just me and KB in a sense, but as a whole, this is where it parts ways because there is no Christian, none who would say that it's wrong to stand up for justice. I haven't met a Christian yet 
to say that we should not stand up for justice. And I also agree with him on this part that it does feel like we've taken steps forward and then taken a bunch of steps back. But I don't think so in the same way that he does. See, when I think that we've taken steps back, it's because years ago, like before all this stuff started happening, you had Christian brothers and sisters, white, black, Asian, Latino, whatever, worshiping together, worshiping together, not having this type of issue, worrying about if someone is using their privilege or worrying about if, you know, if I'm if I'm saying the right words and not giving hate speech or or, or do I have the right uh, diversity on my staff and everything else like we just worship together. We worship the Lord together. You know, this this kind of tension wasn't there, but due to critical theory and critical race theory, be that as it is, now we have this divide and it was just happening. I mean, all of a sudden when President Trump gets elected in 2016, you got people saying they don't feel safe with their brothers and sisters who they've been worshiping beside for years now don't feel safe because they voted for Trump who was deemed a racist by no evidence. None. I mean, yo, but but this is the narrative. This is what how the media has played us, played us all. And I addressed this in a video that I did, you know, dealing with George Floyd and how the media is just like race baiting us, you know, just race baiting us. You know, and this is this is what we're dealing with, you know, and we keep buying into it. We keep buying into it and they keep getting the views and they keep doing what they got to do because they have a job to do. Their job is to get attention drawn to them, to their sites, to their newspapers, their articles, their blogs, and they're doing their job. But we as Christians are supposed to be slow to speak, swift to hear, and also to hear out a matter before speaking on it or before discussing it or addressing it that's what scripture calls us to do as using wisdom no but we don't have that we get a headline and then we go off the headline we go off the headline and we get emotionally triggered and that's what we do and so you have someone like kb here who has genuine genuine motives you know he's genuine in how he feels but it's based off a narrative that he's been buying into for the past three or four years or 10 years if you will been buying into it slowly but surely buying into the narrative and it's unfortunate and so yes when it comes to systemic injustice or systemic racial injustice you know like i don't believe and i've done this i've said this on my channel before i don't believe that we have a systemic racial injustice system i mean uh, a systemic racist racial injustice in our system today um there was we have evidence of it. We can go back to it and look at those things that were systemic, but it's not today. Now, are there, could you argue that there are systemic injustices in general? Yeah, we can argue that. We can argue that point, you know, but see, that comes in bringing nuance to the table into allowing for the information, all the information to come out and for us to deal with things as they come. And then, then we can come together and look for reform in areas where it needs to be. But here, I believe that people have us chasing a ghost. And this is why I don't subscribe to this issue like this. 
you know, we're chasing the ghost. There's there's no real offender who we can point to and say, hey, you must repent. These are assumptions, especially when we talk about systemic injustice, you know, systemic racial injustice and all that stuff. There's no one to point to to say you need to repent. You're looking at policies. You're looking at laws and everything else. And that you have to assume was put in place to hold black people down or minorities down, you know, but the evidence doesn't show for it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I get on my tangent and my rant. I'm not trying to really go into the rants and tangents right now, but this is what we have. And so in this intro, in this 34 seconds, guys, I couldn't even get to a minute without saying something. But this is what we're going to hear a lot, you know, about the assumption, everything else. And I said this before in previous videos, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of faulty arguments stem from a false premise. All right. So when you have a false premise, it's a domino effect. Everything after that is going to be crap because of the premise that is bad. All right. So the premise is that there's systemic racial injustice. That's the premise. All right. And this is and as KB said, this issue, like us standing for this issue is it stems from the gospel. So like if you are a gospel centered Christian, this is something that you should be you know, pressing in towards because it's a gospel. It stems from a gospel issue. All right. So this is the premise. Okay. So everything after this flows from that premise and the premise is faulty. Everything else is going to be faulty. But if it's true, if it's accurate, then everything else flowing from it will be true and accurate. All right. So let's, let's continue with the video. It's discouraging. And it does, in a lot of ways, push me to a better, more glorious, um, peaceable existence. In the kingdom of God, people will jog with no problems. In the kingdom of God, there won't be misunderstandings that lead in the death of someone. People won't be looked at in the kingdom and all kind of assumptions made about them because their hair is a certain way or their skin is a certain color. That This makes me long for that. And so he's talking about longing for eternity. And with that, I agree with KB wholeheartedly, man. Like this, this stuff that's been going on in our culture, especially not just this racial tension, but I'm talking about just the culture as a whole that's, that's constantly going in a direction away from God and his standards. I mean, that's what you see happening. I mean, teaching little children how, you know, that it's okay to be gay or, you know, teaching little children to basically think about sex before they even should be thinking about any of that before they even think about girlfriend and boyfriend you know they're thinking about they're being told how they should view their sexual orientation like this is where our culture is going the countless murder of children justified murder of children now you want to talk about a system that's that's unjust that's unjust <laughs> look at abortion i mean that is systemic injustice right there you know but hey you know they say they don't talk about abortion but that's what it is. That's in the system. A, there's a law placed in the system that makes this okay. Just like there was a law placed that made Jim Crow okay. There was a law placed that made it okay for blacks not to vote. There was a law placed that said that you had to be segregated. Those were laws. It was in the system. You see what I'm saying? That's where you have systemic injustice. All right. So, yeah, do, would I agree with you that there is some systemic injustice that we face today? Of course, I agree with you. Just not the type that you think, you know, but then he says people like if you hear what he said, he said people will jog one day with no problem. Like he's referring to Ahmaud Arbery. If you don't know, I've done 
um, a live stream on that was like two hours long, but I broke it up into seven parts. I would encourage you to listen to that and check it out as much as you got to or in bits and pieces if you have to. But listen to that. The media played us with Ahmaud Arbery, played us like a fiddle. I mean, yes. It, I mean, who would argue that, man, like a man's just jogging down the neighborhood, minding his own business and then gets chased down and shot? Like, yeah. I mean, I would stand with KB on that because how dare you? How dare you? This is someone who just minding their business and they're jogging and you're chasing them down just to shoot them. A modern day lynching as the newspaper articles claimed it to be. Modern day lynching. My God, man. It's, but when you looked at the evidence, when all the facts came out, and it what kills me that this is, he, he made this video after George Floyd passed away. And so he, by this time, KB, if he's following the news, knows the story about Ahmaud Arbery, knows the facts that came out after that. Yet, he still says, jogging with no problem like that's to me deceitful and i don't know if he's doing it on purpose or not but that's deceitful he was not just he wasn't jogging that's just the, that's the reality i'm not gonna i did a, i did a video i did videos on that guys look at that i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole right now he wasn't just jogging the media played us they played us because when i first saw that headline i'm like whoa a guy just jogging and gets shot that's crazy. A white man does it too? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. What's going on? But as everything started coming out, no, man, he wasn't jogging. And like I said, if you want to agree, if you want to talk about the citizens' arrest and then the gun laws in Georgia and all that, because I live in Georgia, you're going to discuss all that. I discuss it in that video as well. Please go check it out. I think I start discussing the gun laws around part five, around about part four or five in that, if you want to look at the bits and pieces. So check that out, okay? I encourage you to check it out, all right? But yeah, so, you know, people will not make assumptions and there won't, there won't be no misunderstandings. People won't get judged based on how their hair looks or the color of their skin. But I can say the same thing. People won't get judged based on their preferences or based on the fact that they may have had wealth, the fact that they chose a president. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, because of the assumption, because someone voted a certain way, an assumption is made on their heart that they hate black people. Because people don't agree with you on this issue, the assumptions are made that they don't care for black people. They don't care about black lives. See, I can say the same thing. I do long for the day for the Lord to return. I do long for it because I'm sick of sin. Sick of my own sin. I'm sick of KB's sin. I'm sick of everybody's sin. I'm sick of sin. You know, I'm sick of all of it. You know, and the only way to be free of all of this is when he returns. And by God, we'll be found faithful. You know, and so, yeah, I long for it. I long for it, but not in the same way. When I say same way, but not because of the same reasons he longs for it. You know, because what he deems as being a problem, I don't see as being a problem as he describes it to be. And I had to put those caveats in there because I think it should go without saying that racism does exist, that unjust killings do exist and do happen. Police officers do kill people unjustly. You know, that happens, right? It happens. Okay. People die from the wrong practice done by police officers. That happens. But people murder each other every day. 
that happens. It happens every day. Not once in a few months, or the case may be, like when you look up the amount of time, like the amount of police killings that have been, whether they've been just or ju- just or unjust, it is it it pales in comparison to how many just general murders that happen pales in comparison. How often we kill each other. And I'm not even going into black on black crime. I'm talking about just it, period. How we kill each other unjustly. So, yeah, I, I I long for the Lord to return. I'm tired of sin. And racism is a sin. To be racist is a sin. It's a heart issue. But see, that's important. That's an important thing to think about. It being a heart issue. I see right now, based on how much I got to say on this already, and I'm on like a minute in, I'm probably going to have to do like this part and then come back and do another episode to finish it out. So that's okay. I'm going to give myself that freedom to do that. I'm not going to pressure myself to finish this whole thing. I can already tell. I don't think I'm gonna make it. And I guess, guys, it's been so long, so long since I really talked to you like this that I just got so much to say. <laughs> so yeah, let's continue and see how far we can get in this um, this video. I can't help but say it. I'm not one that says that. Hey, just wait till eternity to make things right. Don't worry about the way that people are putting their foot on your neck today. Just wait till when Jesus makes it right. That would be unfaithful. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Not the fact that you wanted to be active in your community as far as things happening that are unjust. You, you want to be active, right? You, you, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to just say, well, Jesus will fix it all. Like, you're kind of like a cop out. And I can get that. I get that. That there are some people who are really just fearful and cowardly. And really don't want to deal with things, you know, don't want to don't want to deal with conflict, you know, and therefore they just say, well, you know, it'll all work out in the end. You know, Jesus will come back and he's going to make all things right. And as true as that is, I understand for someone using it as a cop out. I do. I want to be fair with that. I understand. But here when he says this, it seems to me and I say seems to me that it it is not enough to have that kind of hope you see what i'm saying i can see i can see both sides i can see someone who who's out of fear of out of the fear of man uses that but what about someone who's genuinely just man i i long for christ like he said i long for eternity and he says i'm not the one who just waits for eternity to come for everything to be made right but that's what everything will be made right like, where do we see in scripture that anything will be made right beforehand and that in, unless God himself allows it to happen in his time? Look at think about the civil rights movement. I, I hate to keep I'm not, I hate to keep going back and back to it. But let's think about it for a moment. There were systemic injustices going on. People were treated unfairly and unequal. Right. That was happening. Right. And yet, though there were marches and though there were boycotts and everything else, yet it was when the Lord decided to work in the individuals who needed to be. He worked in their hearts in order to pass the bills and to pass the codes and to pass the laws that did away with segregation. You know, what I'm saying that did away with it. The 14th commandment. I mean, they passed it. The 13th commandment dealing with slavery. It passed it. You know what I'm saying? And so he put God worked in men's hearts to do that. The marches did not cause those men to turn their hearts. 
the boycott, losing all that money didn't cause men to turn their hearts. You want to know a perfect example from the Bible that we see that push through? Egypt, Pharaoh. I mean, all these plagues affecting his crops, his livestock. I mean, everything. The water, the water supply, everything. God not only not God not only was tackling all his deities that he believed in, but also affecting him um, economically. And what happened? Pharaoh still refused to let those people go. Still refused. And it took the death of the firstborn son, his firstborn son, to finally say, you know what? Go. Just go. But what scripture says? His heart was yet hardened against Israel, and he pursued them along with his army. Pursued them. So he the money, his like his wealth was being attacked or affected. The lives of people, the lives of people were being affected and everything. Yet he still hardened his heart against doing what was right because it was right to let the people go you see what i'm saying so if those if those plays could not get pharaoh to turn his heart in order to do what's right then what in the world do we think that a march is going to do and a boycott is going to do it's good to show your support i'm just guys i know some of you right now saying oh you trying to say we shouldn't march no i'm not saying that you trying to say we shouldn't peacefully protest? No, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is our hope is not in any of that. Our hope isn't in any of that. Our hope and our trust is in the Lord who knows men's hearts. And the Bible says that we can't change our hearts. Just look no, no more than a leopard can change the spots. And so we look to the one who can. And so the biggest thing then is the gospel. Is eternity. Having eternity in mind, because all these things are going to be right in now is is not. It's not going to go away tomorrow. And that's why I made the video before is talking about what is the end of this movement? Like, what is what do they want? Can't point to it. Can't point to it. So anyway, yeah, I, I think that's a problem. With it, I think this takes away from what a Christian is supposed to be truly hoping for. You know, this takes away from what we truly should be hoping for and what we should be pressing in towards, you know. And so that's why I have a problem with it, you know. Um, yes, if you want to march, march. If you want to peacefully protest. And I say peacefully because I believe there's scriptural, there's scriptural reference to show that Christians really shouldn't be. Um, anyway, I, I, you know what? I'll say that for I'll say it for a later part for you guys because he's going to say something that I'm going to need to comment on. And I don't want to beat the dead horse. So we'll say that. But anyway, there is a way that Christians should protest. And there's a way that we should carry about being active in things that are going on. And so, yeah, you know, um, but yeah, so th that's my stance on that. Let's, let's get through. I I'm going to try my best to get to five minutes. Let's get through five minutes. I may break this up in three parts. It's 14 minutes long. Let's break this up into five parts. I mean, three parts. So I'm going to try to get to five minutes on this video and go from there. Because Jesus is concerned about what you're doing before you get to the sweet by and by. And particularly, how are we tearing down and pushing against the works of the enemy? How we've done that, Matthew 25, will have a lot to do with our conversation with Jesus on Judgment Day. 
And so, and this is where this gets serious, guys. And this is, you know, and this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the divide happens in language like this. And KV is saying this, but he's not the only one who thinks like this. Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot. And so he likens this idea where he's feeling like it's too, uh, as in the way that's going to be sinful. You know, he's basically saying we're going to, this is a sin. Like how we respond to these issues and how we deal with these issues could be the difference between sinning against God and not sinning against God because we're going to have to answer for it on Judgment Day. And he mentioned Matthew 25. So I'm going to pull up Matthew 25 real quick. And he doesn't give us the verse that he's referring to, but Matthew 25. And, you know, like I like to do here on Prescribed Truth, if somebody don't want to give me a verse that we can actually look at the context, we're going to have to go through the whole chapter. And that's why <laughs> I just want to break this up <laughs> because we want to give context. And so he mentions Matthew 25 as something relevant to this issue, you know. And so let's uh, I'm gonna play that again. Tearing down and pushing against the works of the enemy. How we've done that, Matthew 25. Okay, so the saying is that we're, we're supposed to have been tearing down these works of the enemy. You know, and I do like how he said how, you know, Jesus is concerned with what we do while we're here, not just when we get to the sweet by and by, as he said. I would agree to him in that sense. Like we will have to give an account for everything that we've said, done or thought of when we stand before the Lord. Every idle word that we've spoken, we're going to have to give an answer for, you know, so I, I definitely agree with, agree with that. You know, as believers, this is the case. As a matter of fact, it's everybody, the whole world. We're all going to, have to give an account before the Lord. No matter if you believe in him or not, we're all going to stand and give an account of our life. You know, so I agree with him in that, you know, but he says we're supposed to tell down strongholds and how we've done that. And he in references Matthew 25 is basically going to, you know, say a lot concerning when we stand before the Lord on judgment day. All right. So, I mean, there's some sense of judgment there. And we got to deal with that, you know, because that's a serious, that's a serious claim, serious claim, a serious accusation for those who don't agree with KB and his stance and where he thinks we should go with this information. If we even agree with this information, you see what I'm saying? That's why it's important. But I will like to say before I read Matthew 25 is that I believe the Bible is clear as far as how we tear down the works of the enemy, you know, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty. Hmm. They're mighty. The power of God is tearing down strongholds. But it's, is that is that protest? Is it, I mean, that's is that what the, that work is? You know, I don't. Anyway, not necessarily see it that way. But like I said, once again, somebody's gonna say, "Well, Jamal, you basically said we shouldn't be protesting." No, no, I'm not saying that. If there's a march going on for for a right and real reason, that's a that's a that's a true issue to deal with. And yeah, for, for all, by all means, if they're marching. To get abortion um, illegal, make it illegal, yeah, march for that. <laughs> if there's a protest to make abortion illegal across the board, protest for that. March and protest for that. You know, peaceful protest, that, be, that is. I still want to be consistent. Peaceful protest, right? But protest nonetheless. All right, so let's read Matthew 25. And I don't have my Bible app pulled up, so I'm, I'm just going to read from my phone. If you have a Bible, you can read along. But we're going to read this whole chapter. This uh, chapter goes to four, it's 46 verses. Now, somewhere along in this chapter, we're going to get to a point where it tells us how we should uh, tear down the works of the enemy. 
because that's what he's referring to. So that's what we're going to look for. All right. So it says, then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout, behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not, there will be, there will not be enough for us and you too. go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Hmm. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. The one he gave five talents to another. I'm sorry. The one he gave to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also, I mean, I'm sorry. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he who have an abundance I'm sorry, and he will have an abundance, but from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. It's interesting. It seems like me, there's a disparity here that's encouraged. Um, anyway, let's continue. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another. As the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, 
you who are blessed of, the, of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Now, I believe this is where KB was going. You know, we had to get through the whole chapter. We had to get through that contest, guys. We had to get through that contest to get to this point. But I think this is where he is going with it. All right. Because he said, for how are we to tear down these, tear down the works of the enemy, right? And he names Matthew 25. I think this is where he was going. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a, see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. I'm, okay, I'm going to read this again. I don't know if we ever pay attention to context. But let me read this again. The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Brothers of mine. That's interesting. Very interesting. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also answered, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you do that, you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, if you had to endure through all that and that that bores you to leave the the, um, the video, I'm sorry, but that's that's scripture for you. We had to read it because KB mentioned it and we had to give context. But look at the context of this in verse 45, because he says it's going to bring us to some judgment. You know, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for what we do not do. How are we not handling these things correctly? So it's a serious charge. All right. So the verse that he's referring to really, I mean, that was the whole context, but he was referring to this part. He says, then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Context is key. Context is key, guys. Who are the these that he's speaking about? Now, guys, it's no excuse. There's no excuse. The Bible tells us to do good to all men. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't specify whether they be just brothers in Christ or whatever. It says to all men. All right. We do good to all. Show love to all. That's what we do. All right. So the context of this is, but this context is talking about brothers of mine. If, the, if this is likened to the Lord speaking, who are his brothers? Who, who are his? It's his people. This is the context that we're talking about. It's not just talking about just anyone in the street, because I guarantee you that I, I, I don't think you will meet the least of the poor that's out there the least of the poor that you will ever meet or come across. You see what I'm saying? But it's talking about the brother. This, this is the context. It's someone who's in Christ. 
All right. And so this goes to show just like other scripture, other scripture talks about, and guys, it may show some partiality here, right? Yeah. But it's other parts of scripture talks about how we should do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. So that's not, that's not partiality. We do good to all men. But it's talking about especially to those of the household of faith. There's a special attention given to those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ versus even our own blood relatives. There's truth in that. All right. So I'm just reading what it says. Okay. Now he, he gives these comparisons with these with these these virgins who have the oil, who some who lack oil, and those who do, and they, those who had the oil make it in. Those who didn't, not they're not paying attention. They're not being prudent. You know, they're not using wisdom. You know, they're not taking being good stewards. You had the one with the talents. All three are receiving talents. You know, but someone splurges or well, doesn't do what they're supposed to do with it, and everybody else did what they're supposed to do with with the talent they was given. You know, yet it like into judgment. You know, then you have the last one being um, those, you know, hey, I you you fed me, you clothed me and all those things. And God is saying, hey, the, 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 to the extent that you've done this, to the extent that you've done this to the to the least of the these brothers of mine, you've done it to me. So this lets me know that, man, like when I do good, when I serve my brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter their high standing or low standing, when I serve my brothers in Christ, I'm serving I'm serving unto the Lord. Is unto him, but when I, when I sit there and turn my heart cold to my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm turning my heart cold to the Lord. That's that's the context, you know, you know. And so that's not saying you shouldn't do good to the poor, do good for the poor, and that kind of stuff like that, or to people who are in need of help. Because the Bible once again says, I'm gonna say again, do good to all men. That's what it says. All right, but there's an extent, you know. Uh, so anyway. I had to give that context. So let me know what you guys think about it in the comments. You know, did you come across that part when you read it? Or, you know, does your translation say something different? That was from an NASB. You know, I'm interested to know. You know, how do you guys see that? You know, so let's continue. But he says this is, this is how we view this is going to lead up to judgment. You know, like if we're not doing these things, if we're not taking part in this good fight, as he says, the Lord will look at us one day and cast us off because we're because we're not doing good things to the least of them. You know, therefore we're not, we have been serving the Lord. This is a serious charge, very serious charge. And I take him seriously when he said it. We'll have a lot to do with our conversation with Jesus on judgment day. Almost every single point, every single point in Matthew 25 was about how were these individuals socially taking care of the people around them. Okay, we just read Matthew 25. Every point was not dealing with that. How were they taking care of the people around them? No, the first part was dealing with virgins who were supposed to have oil, and the virgins who had oil refused to give their oil to those who didn't. I mean, they had oil. They all had oil, but they wasted their oil, and they told them, go, go buy your own oil. They didn't give them, they didn't, guys, they didn't terribly give them their own oil. You know what I'm saying? No, they said, no, if I, I, I don't have enough for me and you. We trying to get to the bridegroom too. You got to go get your own oil. Go buy your own. And those those women had to go buy their own oil. So, no, that point wasn't dealing with how you help people around you. Matter of fact, it just showed you how, you know, you come up lacking. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be SOS. You know what I'm saying? Or SOL. You know? And so it's like, yo. I mean, that's 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 what it is. So anyway, and um, then 
the talents that had nothing to do with I mean that he said every single point. I'm just going with what KB said. He said every single point Matthew 25. I don't know. Maybe he's just talking. Maybe he misspoke. But every single point Matthew 25 was not dealing with that. Matt, the, the other part we read <laughs> dealing with the talents. That wasn't how you should take care of people around you. One one had the five talents. What he did, he went and traded. He didn't wasn't he wasn't he didn't go and be charitable with the master's money. He went and traded and built on the master's money. Who who benefited the most from everything that happened? Dealing with that portion of scripture, the master, the slaves didn't get no richer. They were slaves. You know, what I'm saying each one had a talent. They did something good with it, and he said, "Enter into the joy of your master." He didn't say, "Hey, you know what? You know what? Since you've done so well with this talent, you know what? Have all these have all these riches." No, he just said, "Enter into the joy of your master." You know, you, you enter into this joy that I have. You know, you went and got you went and doubled what I gave you. Both of you went and doubled what I gave you. I gave you five. You came back with ten. I gave you two. You came back with four. That's what I'm talking about. And there's one over here who only had the one who was worried about because I didn't reap. I didn't reap where I have sown and I'm gathering from where I didn't scatter <laughs> this one. Oh, no, nah, he's wicked, lazy, wicked. You know what I'm saying? And there's a disparity there, guys. I don't know if you noticed it. There's a disparity here, uh, the, the true disparity. You got master, slave. The master has wealth. The slaves don't have the wealth. You know, there's a disparity there. And it's a biblical one. Biblical one. Justified one. You know, so this idea that disparities are just like, oh, there shouldn't be any disparities. We all should have the same. Not so. Not so. It wasn't so in the Bible. And you don't see, you don't, you didn't see any apostles rise up and say, oh, you masters who got slaves and or indentured servants, as you, some of you want to claim, even if you want to have that argument, that all oh, your masters who got slaves and servants, this isn't right. Y'all, they should all, y'all should all be making the same and having the same opportunities to get this wealth. And they can't get that opportunity if they're your servant. So you should let them go. No, I didn't ever see Paul make that argument. Never seen Peter make that argument. Don't see any writers in church history in general that did that argument, period. Don't see that was a fight. That I don't see that would be in a good fight back then. You know, those disparities, you know. So anyway, I mean, guys, no, that point wasn't dealing with how you should help those around you. Now, the last portion that we did read has something to do with serving other people. But serving who? Serving who? You know, just in the context of what we read, you know. And so I know some of you guys who are on the, on the social side would say, well, see, the Bible says we're supposed to do this and do that. No, but let's look at this verse. He said that every point points to how we should do for other people. Well, in that portion of scripture, in that last portion of scripture dealing with, you know, when you've done things, done this stuff for the least of these brothers of mine, you've done one to me. Well, we got to ask the question, who are the brothers of the master? Who are the who are the brothers of the master? That's an affectionate term. Who are they? Who is who is Jesus speaking about? There's a reason why he said it. And it makes sense because doesn't that go along with John? First John? First John says, How can you how can you say you love Christ but then hate your brother? I mean, that's what that's what John says. I mean, I, I, I see some connection there in scripture. You know, if you say you love Christ yet hate your hate your hate your brother, you're not truly a father of Christ. And then Jesus say also that they will know those. I mean, the world will know who are mine by the love that you show one to another. He didn't say they'll know who are mine based on the love that you show to the world. No, he said you would. They would know. They would know who are mine by the love that you show one to another. All right. 
there's reasons to that. And see, there's a connections. So that's what I'm saying. When you have a faulty premise, once again, a faulty premise, everything else that flows after that is crap. It's crap. The use of this verse taken wildly out of context. Wildly out of context. And so now he got a he had a bad premise. Now he's stacking on that bad premise with bad arguments. And then saying that we're going to be judged. That God is going to judge us for not doing how he thinks that scripture talks about. You know, and that's that's serious. You know, that's very serious. Love your neighbor as yourself. To not do that is to not be a Christian. Okay. Now. Now we go into the point where I say he, how he's how he's viewing Matthew 25. But that's another that. But right now he's saying love your neighbor as yourself. That's a, another text, but a valid one. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And just like a lot of words in scriptures, these words mean what they mean based on their context. But I have no problem with neighbor being my neighbor, being anyone in the world that I should love. I should love my neighbor as myself. No problem with that whatsoever. We all would agree with that. And yes, I would agree with him that if you believe that you should not love your neighbor, then you are not a Christian. I mean, you can't say that you, oh, I don't have to love my neighbor but I love the Lord. Like, no, because God is love, you know? And so it just don't work that way. Don't work that way. And so, yeah, so I would agree with him that you love your neighbor as yourself. But now, once again, these were the nuances come in. How is that love carried out? Because love is an action word. It's action, not feeling, action. How do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How? You know, saying that's the question, and I, and that's where the dividing line will be, because how he thinks that I should go about loving my neighbor, it's not what I think I, how I should go about loving my neighbor based on the false premise that is given. All right, so that's where the divide is. So forgive me, I'm getting a little worked up. We love eternity. We can't wait for eternity to make it all right. But that does not give us a pass to not be lovers of our neighbor. Our neighbors need our good works today. And without that, God will hold you accountable. Let me move on. <laughs> I like how you feel like he's just like, like he made like the ultimate point. Boom. Gotcha. Gotcha moment. <laughs> Can't do nothing with that. <laughs> Drop mic. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So about that. So <laughs> the, the world needs our good works. Well, the Bible tells us how we should carry ourselves as Christians throughout the world, right? How we should deal with conflict, how we should respond to conflict, how we should, um, you know, stand on what is true, um, laying aside falsehoods, you know, all those kind of things. Then he, he tells us how we should walk, be meek, you know, um, you know, be gentle, you know, the fruit of the spirit. I mean, you know, temperate, patient, you know, long suffering. See all of that, you know, see all of that, you know, how we should carry out. So these are works. In case you didn't realize, these are all works. And this is what James was hitting at when he said that, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, so these works are how we live our lives, how we go about living our lives, not whether or not we take part in a separate issue or a section of a separate issue, but how we live out our lives and those works. So not doing something like not doing what he thinks we should be doing or 
what anyone think we should be doing in this regard is not something that the Lord is going to say, hey, you didn't do what I told you to do. You didn't truly love your neighbor as yourself. You didn't do that. Like, no, that is not the standard. The standard for love, according to scripture, is not based on social justice. It's not based on critical theory. It's not. It's not. No matter what the media try to play out, no matter what well-meaning Christians try to say, it's not the case. That's not God's standard for what is love. Matter of fact, Corinthians tells us what love is and how love behaves. Love rejoices in the truth. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. You see what I'm saying? Truth. Love does not seek its own. Right? Love, love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Well, dang. I mean, for all this white privilege and everything else that's being thrown out and people having to denounce their whiteness and everything else and having to constantly repent for just the fact that they born a certain way. It seems to me that people aren't, you know, are, are taking into account a wrong suffered and not doing the opposite of that as what scripture calls us to do for loving people. You know, I hope you followed that. If you didn't, just pause it, rewind it and play it again. <laughs> like... I, 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 this is wild here. It's wild, you know. Saying? So it's like he gives us gotcha moment, and let's let's move on. It's like nah, right? See, this is and this is where the dividing line is. This is where the dividing line is. Like no, I I think there'd be more to say on Judgment Day as far as people. Well, the amount of bearing false witness that has taken place on the side of those who claim to be for just, social justice, bearing false witness. Because you're basically saying that we're not loving our neighbor. You're bearing false witness to say, because you don't see things the way I see them here, you're, 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 you know, you're not loving your neighbor. You're not obeying God's command. You are in sin. That's how serious this is. Bearing false witness. You know, I, And I do believe the Lord will have more to say on that than whether or not whether we stood in a march or stood in a protest or whether we agreed as far as so uh, racial injustice or you know systemic racial injustice in today's time you know more to say on that but i'm going to play i'm going to play that part one more time just that little piece not be lovers of our neighbor our neighbors need our good works today and without that god will hold you accountable let me move on and i'm trying to see how a christian live through their life without producing good works I mean, like I said, this is this is about living our life. This ain't what, like, I can't say that if you don't go and take care of the trees, because God created the trees and we should be taken care of. And if you don't go and stand with me and protest against people tearing down trees to make paper, then you know God can hold you accountable because the world, these trees, they need our good works today. And to not do that, gotta hold you accountable. You know, or what else? The fact that the fact that you're not out there protesting against abortion. You know, though you will disagree with it, you think it's sinful and wicked, right? But because you're not doing that good work, you know, God will hold you accountable on Judgment Day. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's adding to, that's adding to the message. That's adding to the message of the gospel. The gospel isn't based on works. It's based on faith. Not our works. Not our works. Like, how do we believe on one sense that we're justified by faith, and yet saying that people will be justified by the things they do? That's backwards. That's backwards. You know, and so anyway, 
this is what makes it this makes this conversation hard and, and this is why a lot of people now and i knew this was gonna get to this point i knew this was gonna get to this point so just like kb is doing he look i feel like kb is being consistent in how he feels at the, at the end of the day he's consistent in how he feels he believes this is an issue that stems from a gospel and therefore people who don't go about it are an offense to the gospel all right and therefore in sin and and unrepentant of it they will stand before the Lord and give an account for it and possibly not make it to heaven because he referenced Matthew 25. And for those who did not serve their neighbor or he claims to be neighbor, they didn't go to heaven. They didn't go to eternal life. You see what I'm saying? So I knew it would come to this point. Eventually, this is how it's going to be. There's going to, the divide is going to turn to whether or not you're truly Christian or not based on how you see these things. You know, and it's, it's, it's sad because this is based off a worldly idea creeping into doctrine and creeping into what it truly means to be a Christian versus this stuff that's imported. I'm at two minutes and 20 seconds, guys. We're getting there. I think when we, when we talk about the situation about riding, okay, a lot of times there's several things at, at play. One, let me confess that I absolutely affirm the sentiment that if you are relatively uninvolved in these issues, you haven't really thought about it, your, your eyes are dry, you haven't wept over uh, seeing the uh, Ahmaud Arbery's or seeing the George Floyd's or Breonna Taylor, if you have not been invested in this conversation, I just want to say two things to you real quick. Number one, I would encourage you to not make your first contribution critique. It's interesting to me how they get to dominate the conversation. If you haven't been invested in this, if you haven't wept, if you haven't cried, they, they give the standard. And you know what? I'm going to end this video off this point, and then we'll come back to do another part. I, I, I'm going to go on another tangent. Tangent alert. Get ready. It's interesting to me. They give the, they give the standard as far as how we should respond and they get to dominate the conversation because hey your your first contribution shouldn't be critique but isn't that an investment i have in order to critique i have to have heard right i mean nobody well nobody should give criticism over something they don't know nothing about period you don't know anything about the situation if you if you just slipped under the rock this whole time and had no idea that a man was shot by a shotgun you had no idea that a man's neck was was leaned on on uh, the officer put his knee on someone's neck. Like if you didn't know any of that happened, and you just like, yeah, man, you know what? I I just think y'all just taking stuff out of proportion, man. Like you know, y'all need to y'all need to stop. You know, it's just racial this racial tension. You know, yeah, I, I I can see that, but that ain't the case. People are invested because they're taking the time to listen to what's going on and to hear what's going on to read articles and then video and see video clippings and everything else people are invested they invested time isn't that an investment because you said if you haven't invested anything in this conversation isn't it the investment of the fact that i've listened to your arguments already so therefore that's an investment that's an investment i invested my time i invested my energy my thoughts my emotions in all of this whether i disagree with you or agree with you i invested it so now yeah, i i I'm pretty sure that I'm able, I now meet the qualifications to give critique as my first contribution. Because you said that if we haven't invested anything in this conversation, 
then we should make our first contribution critique. I would agree with you. A person who has not invested anything, who doesn't know anything about what's going on, should not say a word about what's going on. They shouldn't because they'll be talking out the side of their neck. But those of us who've listened and everything, if we know these situations, we've listened to them, we've dealt with them and everything else, we, we've invested. And therefore, we're qualified, more than qualified to give a critique. Now, you may disagree with our critique and our criticism, but that's your right. You can disagree. But I just hope that you guys could have a basis for your disagreement other than at homonym and then saying that, oh, well, you haven't you haven't wept. So therefore, you, you just don't know what's going on. Like, no. And you know what? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, he's going to go on to say, I'm going to play a, a couple more seconds and then I'm, I'm going to finish my rant because he's going to say something that's going to be really relevant to why I feel as strong as I do about this point. Don't let your first come. Don't come alive to give instruction. Not that your instruction isn't true or good, but you have to realize that rules without relationship often incite rebellion. All right. So I'm going to stop it there. <laughs> I'm truly going to stop it there. So he so he says, don't make your first contribution critique. You know, and even if even if if your if your critique is good or true, you shouldn't do that yet because relationship without rules. I mean, you know, what I'm saying it's just, you know, oh, no rules without relationship just incites rebellion. Like that's crap. That's utter crap. You look at the apostles and we want to get the examples of the church. You look at Jesus. Did Jesus have did he have a relationship with the Pharisees and those people before he started telling them about themselves? No, he told them the truth where they stood. John the Baptist, when he's standing at there giving baptism, they come to seek baptism. He says, you brood of vipers. Who told you to come? Who warned you about coming to, to get salvation? Like who warned you? Hey, he had a relationship with them. You know, he just told them the truth. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, no, that's, that's utter crap. And so to say that we're, to say that we have to be invested in the way that you feel like we should be invested. Like if I haven't wept, if I haven't cried over these things, you know what I'm saying? Then, oh, I, I, I shouldn't make critique my first contribution like no like I've, I've invested time i invested study i invested research i invested so therefore yes i'm going to give a critique and you guys make a decision whether or not you're going to listen whether you're going to listen or whether or not you're going to dismiss it because i didn't do i didn't do your check mark of things i needed to do or your checklist of things i needed to do in order to have a conversation to me and i feel like that's deceitful i feel like that's not helpful at all you know, that's not building up of one another as scripture calls us to do. Build one another up, you know, and putting these standards on us for no with no biblical basis is beyond me. And so, yeah, I have a problem with that. Very big problem with that. You know, and this is why we can't get nowhere with the conversation, because, you know, especially in. Uh, and, you know, he could be talking to white and black people alike, you know, what I'm saying but. I don't have to have wept over these things in order to have an opinion about what's actually going on. And maybe I'm not allowing myself to get overly emotional about situations because the Bible commands us to hear out a matter before we speak on it. The Bible commands us to be slow to speak and swift to hear. That's not a suggestion. That's what scripture tells us to do. You know what I'm saying? And so if I'm getting all emotional, that means I'm not listening. I'm not being slow to speak. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> just based off my emotion. You know, and so, yeah, 
and this is what makes this thing difficult. It's what makes it difficult. And I'm, you know what, guys? I'm three minutes in. This video is 14 minutes long. I'm three minutes in, and I know I've spent a good amount of time on this already. There's so much to say on this, and I haven't um, made a video talking about this stuff in this in this fashion in a minute. So um, there's a lot on my mind here. And so uh, let me just stop it here. There's so much more I can say, but you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm use some discipline. We're gonna put we're gonna pick this back up again. Uh, you guys leave me comments. Let me know what you thought about this video here. Even those you have pushbacks and whatnot, you know, put them in the comments. I'd I love to hear from you. you can email me prescribe.truth@gmail.com. We can discuss there uh, discuss things there. You can uh, call me. The, the numbers in the description. We can chop it up there as well. So there's many ways we can talk. You know, the 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 door is open. I'm not telling you that you have to have wept or cried over these issues in order to talk in order to give me critique you know i just need you to have listened to what i had said you know just like we listen to what kb and others have said about these subjects and these issues all right so anyway remember until we talk until we talk next time remember this world is full of errors but the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth blessings